0: I am privileged to fill in for Pastor Malcolm, who is in Huntsville at the hospital with the McBrayer family, whose uh, mother is having emergency surgery there as we speak, and um, this is a very, very, very serious surgery, and from what I understand, this is Candace Beatty's mother. And so we need to, even before we start the Bible study, uh, study tonight, we need to go to God in prayer for her. And for that family, I'm sure Candace is uh, probably shook up, as I would uh, obviously be as well. Uh, So let's pray for them. And it's my privilege and honor to be here. And uh, I've been in several churches in the past 20 days. But i got to tell you, I've been a member here. My family and I have been members here since 2009. And of all the places that I get to stand and address a congregation and preach or teach... This is probably by far the best uh, because it's home, amen? Amen. And so praise God for that. Glad to be here. Let's pray uh, for the McBrayer family now. Father in heaven, we love you and thank you for your goodness. And Lord, as we come tonight for Bible study and to have time that set apart, Lord, to look into your word and to glean things from it, we want to come first. And ask you to be with this family. I pray God that you would guide the surgeon's hands and the doctor's uh, hearts and minds and hands. And may all things go according to your plan. And Lord our preacher is there ministering, pastoring, helping, being a comfort as much as he can. And so God I pray you give him the words of wisdom that he might need to speak this evening to this family in a difficult time. And Lord, we'll thank you for what you're going to do. And we're glad that we can bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And so, Lord, we come to you on behalf of this and all families. Lord, there may be others. And there is others, Lord, that we're unaware of. And God, there's, there's even heartaches and, and difficulties represented right here in this room tonight. And so, Lord, we know that you're our God. And we trust you. Above all things, Lord, we trust who you are, and Lord, we want to come and and trust in what you do, and we want to come and say, God, please, please have mercy, uh, provide healing, provide wellness, but most of all, fulfill your will in the lives of your children, and we'll thank you. Now, Lord, I pray you bless this message here in the next few moments, and use it for your glory in Jesus' name, amen. Just remain standing, I want to read you one verse, uh, one verse as a text verse, and then I want to give you what the Lord has given me to share with you tonight. The the verse I want to read is Proverbs chapter 28 and verse number 27. And uh, this is my life's verse, Uh, and maybe you have a life's verse Um, I put on our Unsheltered International Facebook page this morning this verse and several people commented saying what their uh, life's verse was. And A a life's verse is just maybe, uh, by that I mean it's the most special verse to me that I've found yet in the Bible. And this one has carried me through uh, in, in our ministry for many years. Here's what it says, Proverbs 28, 27. He that giveth unto the poor shall not lack. But he that hideth his eyes shall have many a curse. He that giveth unto the poor shall not lack, but he that hideth his eyes. Now that means to pretend like they're not there. It means to pretend like you don't see them. He that hideth his eyes shall have many a curse. Thanks for standing. You can have a seat. Um, my family has been missionaries in a full-time occupational type of way since November of 1999. And God has done some very, very awesome things in that time span. And um, in 2009, our ministry uh, took an awesome, awesome leap of improvement or a a brand new direction. And that is when uh, my wife uh, April and I, which April is here uh, somewhere, I thought I just, she's right there in the middle. That's when uh, April and Hunter and Sarah, our children, in 2009, we moved here to Coleman and uh, joined Temple Baptist Church to start a brand new ministry, an enlargement of the ministry that God had already had us involved in for many years. And that ministry was a ministry to the poor and to the homeless and to people who are at risk of becoming homeless. And uh, we get to share this story and this vision and this uh, ministry in churches all over our country. And um, it's our privilege to speak in missions conferences and, and things of that nature. Uh, But one thing that I realized as I got the the call just a couple of hours ago to be able to come and and fill in, and by the way, I can't fill in because you can't fill uh, Pastor Malcolm's shoes. Somebody say amen right there. So I don't try. I'm going to do something completely different tonight because I can't teach as good as he does and don't even pretend to. Uh, But as I got the call and as I began to pray, one thing I realized, and this is what I felt like God would have me to do tonight. Uh, I realize that I get to share the the whole story of our ministry in, in churches all over the place, but I've never really got the, uh, the, the really took the time to do that here at Temple. And I know a lot of people wonder, uh, well, what is Unsheltered International? And exactly what does uh, Brother Sharp and them do anyway? I mean, I know they help homeless people, but how does that work and, and, and different things? And so I just want to very simply take a few minutes And share a synopsis of our story. And then I want to sum it up with a Bible challenge of why we as Christians should get involved in missions and ministering to the poor and things like that. And so I hope it will be interesting to you. And I hope that God will use it. Uh, uh, One of my goals in life is to inspire other people to give their lives in the service of world missions. And I don't only want to just, you know, do what God's called me to do. I hope and I pray that in the course of me fulfilling God's will for my life, that I could convince some other people to come along and get on the bus with me and let's make a difference for the glory of God. And, you know, we've got enough people, uh, that, and I did it for for so long, that are just kind of floating through life. With no real purpose and no real uh, goals and no real ambition. And so I figure the more people I can sign up to work in the army of the Lord, the better. Amen. My experience with homeless people started in 1996 in my freshman year of Bible college in North Augusta, South Carolina. And Pastor Malcolm is the one that I have to thank. For, uh, for getting me even to that part of the country. Because it was at uh, uh, his home that I surrendered to be a preacher back in Florida... And it was while he was standing in the pulpit and preaching that I walked down the, the aisle and knelt at the altar. And he's the one that put his arm around me and prayed with me. And then I stood up, and I was too scared to uh, to make the public profession that God wanted me to be a preacher. And so I whispered, and I said, Would you just tell him and let me stand here? And he chuckled, and uh, he said, "Just Just stand there and look cool. And he put his arm around me, and he told the congregation at Bethel Baptist Church that God had called Travis to be a preacher. And now at that point in my life, I was 18 years old and I had no idea what was in store for me. I I didn't necessarily want to be a pastor. I didn't necessarily not want to. I didn't necessarily want to be a missionary. Matter of fact, I didn't even know enough about nothing to even know what I wanted to be. I mean, literally, you ever felt like that? All I knew is that, is that uh, God had done such a great work in my heart saving me that I wanted to serve him with all of my heart. And Preacher Malcolm looked at me one night when he was counseling with me when I was having a hard time in my life, and he just point blank said this. He said, is God calling you to be a preacher? And I said, "Well, I don't know." Matter of fact, I thought it wasn't none of his business, really. Uh, and then, but it got to me. And and it was later that night that I took time to stop and pray. And that very night, God used His words to speak to my heart and say, "Yes, I am calling you to be a preacher." So that's how I got involved in ministry, and then just a few months later when it was time to go to Bible college, it was preacher Malcolm Sr. and uh, uh, Pastor Malcolm that advised me to go to North Augusta, South Carolina. And one night, my first semester of Bible college, um, I went out uh, on visitation, soul winning, went out to pass out uh, tracts. I'll probably tear this thing off, and uh, Dustin will send me a big, fat bill, amen, uh, if I break it. So don't break it. Uh, and so we went out to pass out some tracks to, to just whoever. We had to just go make some visits. It was a requirement of the college. They called it Christian service. And so I went out with this guy that knew the area and whatever. His name was Jason. I think I've shared some of this with you before, but I told Jason, let's just go somewhere where there's a bunch of people and we can pass out tracks." Well, he had the bright idea to go down to Augusta, Georgia, to the Salvation Army and pass the tracks out to the, uh, to the homeless people at night. And we pulled up and I saw them people and I was scared to death. Um, I see uh, uh, Uncle Chucky. Back here in the back, and he'll be my witness. I grew up as a a, a country boy. I I had uh, me and my sister raised hogs and steers uh, when in the 4-H club, and we showed them in the county fair. And uh, Uncle Chucky and uh, me and Joe, we hog hunted and bass fished, and and uh, we didn't. We thought, you know, that anybody that lived north of Vero Beach, Florida, was a Yankee. And 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 furthermore, we thought if you went to town, you was just, why? Why do you go to town? And so when I went and saw these homeless people in this big city of Augusta, Georgia, I was out of my element and I was scared. And I remember telling that Jason that night, there ain't no way I'm getting out of here at this car and talking to them people. I said, man, they're liable to rob us or something. Well, he finally called me a sissy enough times to where I got out and and I went and, you know, and passed out the tracks. And that night, God used the handshakes and the conversations and looking into the eyes of people that were worlds different than me. God used that to open my eyes up and show me that there are people right there in this uh, town where I lived, that needed compassion, and that needed hope, and needed help, and most of all, needed God in their life, like I had found God in my life. The next morning when I woke up after visiting those folks, the, the very first thought on my mind was, was were the faces of them individuals. And I didn't know what was happening then, but now I look back and I understand that it was God giving me a burden for a specific group of people in the world, the homeless people. I I couldn't shake that feeling, and so I went and talked to the assistant pastor, Brother Steve Hurt, and um, he said, I think what's happened is, uh, is, is you've caught a burden. I said, how do you get rid of it? I mean, I I thought I'd done caught a disease. I was feeling weird. I mean, it was not like me to care about strangers. And I told a congregation just the other day that missions at its heart is really caring for the soul of strangers. You ever find yourself looking at somebody and wondering, are they saved? Do they know the Lord like I've come to know the Lord? You ever look at your neighbor and say, If they died today, would heaven be their home? Or would it be eternal punishment in a place called hell? And for the first time in my life as a young college student, that was happening to me. And God was calling me into the ministry. And so all through Bible college... um, uh, before April and I ever got married, she and I, some of our dates would consist of going to Dollar General and spending my meager paycheck from the uh, golf course on buying socks and underwear and deodorant and in the winter uh, toboggan hats, and we'd go hand it out to the homeless people and give them food and whatever else uh, that we could, and that would, sometimes that would be our dates. Now, not all the time. I did take her to Walmart to get slushies, amen? <laughs> so don't think I'm cheap. <laughs> the funny part is y'all think i'm just being funny that's a god's honest truth um, <laughs> and so then we just kept ministering to these folks and brother uh, malcolm one day he said travis why don't you see if you can get the preacher to let y'all use the church bus and bring some of these folks to church And I thought that was an ingenious idea. And at first I was mad that God didn't give it to me. And then I realized, well, half the great stuff that's happened to me in the last couple of years, God's told him and then he's told me, so I'll just run with it. And we started in the very first day, there was like 25 people that came on that bus. And so we went the next Sunday and the next Sunday, and it developed into this cool ministry, a whole lot like the jail ministry here, uh, Brother Jeff. Uh, the same principal, just uh, running the bus downtown, and whoever would get on the bus, we'd feed them breakfast and then lunch, and they'd go to church and Sunday school, and God started saving people, and, and it was so awesome. Well, after we graduated high school, or not high school, uh, uh, um, uh, college, April and I got married in 98, then I graduated uh, with my fourth year in 1999. And I knew that God wanted us to be missionaries, uh, and that's what our occupation was to be. And so we went to uh, Jacksonville, Florida, and we joined with this mission board or an agency that helps missionaries by helping them uh, be accountable in their finances and stuff. And we joined with them, and we began to raise our families support. And missionary support is income for a missionary family. That's literally what it is. Uh, We have to pay our rent or uh, light bills and all that stuff just like anybody else. And so we began to raise our support. And we did that for about a year and a half. And then a doctor from, a retired doctor from Augusta, uh, donated a 15,000 square foot uh, building in Augusta. And so we pretty much quit raising our support and just took off with what we had, and we opened up our first rescue mission, a homeless shelter for the homeless. And we did that from 2001 until 2009. And in 2008 and early 09, that's when God really began to, to, um, to just convince me in my heart that he had a bigger chore for me a bigger task more people to reach than the ones I was reaching in Augusta and at first i was scared at first i was nervous at first i didn't want to leave the mission because i had started it and i was the director i had my own office i mean all the people that worked there were basically people that god had had, had uh, saved in our ministry and it was it was hard but it was real comfortable too but finally We began to hear about all the refugees and and just the the many crises uh, like in the Horn of Africa and many different places, and we began to hear about all the homeless camps that were springing up in multiple states around the nation. And finally, once again, I surrendered to the call of God in our life. And I didn't know what it was going to look like, and we didn't know how it was going to happen, but we knew that God wanted to use us to start new ministries uh, in different states, and then one day we hoped and prayed that God would let us do that on an international basis. But like I say, we were completely in the dark about how to go about this. So I called Preacher Malcolm, and he said, Well, if you want to move over here and restart over here and grow over here, you're welcome to. And we had been here to church a few times, but that was my extent of experience in Alabama. And uh, we prayed about it for about, I don't know, a day and felt like, okay. I mean, hey, I figured that Preacher Malcolm hadn't struck out yet on telling me what I ought to do. So, you know, uh, we just moved over here and we joined the church. And for about a year, we began to go uh, and witness to the homeless people in Huntsville and Birmingham and... And In different areas, and a lot of people that are here tonight were instrumental in that. Adrian and Tim Barbie were very instrumental in that and, and uh, Heath used to uh, go with us and and many of you went. Carla went several times and and God uh, just began to develop a ministry that we named Unsheltered International. And we became incorporated, and we got our own uh, nonprofit status, and the ministry began to grow and evolve. Uh, It seemed like year after year, and we've tried a whole bunch of stuff that worked good. We've tried a whole bunch of stuff that fell flat on my face. Um, Most of it was my ideas that didn't work, Uh, but We've done disaster relief, and the folks at Temple Baptist Church, you have empowered us by your missionary giving and your missionary support to go to places like Joplin, Missouri and help out there, and uh, uh, Kenny Brown and I and and several other people were able to go um, uh, to Moore, Oklahoma and make an absolute impact serving thousands of meals, praying with dozens of people, and making such a big difference. And our whole goal has been to bring help and hope to those experiencing homelessness and disaster. And whether you're homeless because of a tornado or whether you're homeless because of uh, you live under a bridge, because of uh, uh, mental issues or, or anything, that's been our goal. And so um, our ministry has, uh, for lack of better terms, kind of been evolving and, and growing and, and going through different stages. And we've been praying since 2011. God, what's the international part going to look like? And so we took a trip in 2012 to uh, to Costa Rica, and that was awesome. And God, uh, we got to visit the homeless there and and different things, and and experience that. We took a trip in. Uh, um, one of these years, or maybe 2013, we went to Honduras for several days. Uh, our whole family went. My, ten, my nine-year-old girl at that time and 12-year-old son Hunter, we all went to Honduras and we worked in mountain villages providing clean water for people that were so poor that, listen to me, they would get their water sometimes out of uh, the rain from a hoof print from a cow. And the rain would collect in a hoof print, and they would drink from that. And that's how they get parasites, and that's how it was unsafe. So we installed a water purification system, along with some other folks that were heading that up. And we kept praying that God would allow us to establish some ongoing ministries. And then the typhoon hit in the Philippines in last year in November. And the church took up Christmas for the Philippines... Last December, and you took up a big offering, and we took that offering and some other monies that we um, had fundraised for and donations, and we went this January, we went uh, me and my uh, wife and our 13 year old son and a group of about ten other people, doctors and nurses and preachers, and we went over there, and God absolutely. Uh, allowed us to minister to thousands of people, seen several hundred make professions of faith, and uh, over a thousand people treated in the medical clinics, and we were able to uh, uh, provide funds to build four homes for families that were homeless, and it was just a wonderful experience. But the coolest part of that was that God let us, uh, he allowed our hearts to be knit together, with several of the pastors, the Filipino pastors. One of those is Pastor Antonio Nair. And he was the head of our group. I have a good pastor friend here that was on that trip with me who's known Pastor Nair for 12 years. And, um, um, and me and Pastor Nair, God just knit our hearts together. And while we were on that trip, Pastor Nair, uh, he didn't know a whole lot about us, but he began to tell me in April that he has a heart for the homeless in his city in the Philippines. And when he began to share that with me, well, my ears perked up. And I thought to myself, Lord, could you be developing something here? And as we talked more and more, um, I told him, well, I feel called, and April feels called, to help churches overseas establish new ministries for people who are, extremely poor or homeless. And before we left there, God had pretty much spoke to my heart and said, Travis, your first um, uh, significant international ministry plant will be here in the Philippines. And I was nervous about how the communication would be and everything once we left there. But there's not been a week since January uh, the uh, 30th since we got back. There's not been a week where I have not spoke to the pastors in the Philippines. And we've been working on plans and ideas and, and all these things. And so I told you a few weeks ago I think when I was able to preach here that we are leaving in January our whole family and we're going back to the Philippines to Bacolod City And we're going to live there for five months, and we're going to rent a storefront building. And the plan is we'll live upstairs, and we're going to help Pastor Nair. His church is called Crossroad Community Baptist Church. We're going to help that church start a brand new ministry. Get this, to the children that are homeless in his city. His church wants to impact the children that literally sleep on the streets. And so God is letting us be a part of that. And we are so excited that God has finally opened the international doors wide open. And we're walking through and just trying to follow God's plan for our life as best as we can. At the same time, we've been doing these resource clinics here in the United States. This year we did... Uh, Temple Center group, and we did them in South Dakota at the Indian Reservation. We've been to Pennsylvania. We've been to Bristol, Virginia. Just yesterday, uh, we sat around a table in Carrollton, Georgia, with uh, representatives from three churches. We helped them back in the, uh, the spring of the year to establish... a a day shelter and like a resource shelter for the homeless people in Carrollton, Georgia. And it's going gangbusters. And so they called us back for a meeting yesterday and we were strategizing with them how they can grow their ministry bigger and how they can incorporate it. And so our purpose is to help churches start new ministries that will reach the homeless people in their own community. Whether Whether it's in the states or whether it's overseas, that's the primary purpose that we have, and God is absolutely, absolutely blessing that. And by the way, by the way, you uh, the Temple Baptist Church has supported our family as missionaries since well before we moved over here. So every soul that's been saved, every person that's been encouraged, everybody that's received a a pair of socks or a toothbrush or a handshake or a hug or any encouragement, the, 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 the givers of this church have had a hand in that because of your direct link to making it possible for our family to go. And praise God, and I want to thank you and commend you as a church family for supporting not only us, but many other missionaries that have many different mission fields. Now, that's a synopsis of our story. I want to give you this. In our remaining few minutes, I want I to share with you a biblical basis for getting involved. A biblical basis for getting involved. People say all the time, well, Brother Travis, that's a good thing for you to do. People say, you know, uh, I... You know, that's, that's all fine and good for you and your family, but man, I don't know. I don't know about, uh, 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 you know, being a missionary or sharing the gospel with other people. I, I, I just don't know. The good news is that what we do, and, and check this out, we all have our individual callings. Amen? Everybody can't have their occupation to be a missionary. Everybody can't be a pastor. Everybody can't be a a, a deacon or a Sunday school teacher or a small group leader. But we all have biblical responsibilities. Amen? Now, um, you know, uh, I understand that it's my responsibility to be a help and an encouragement to whoever God puts in my path, whoever my neighbor is. And so if it's, uh, you know, somebody, um, I don't know, I'm just going to use this, the jail ministry. If it's somebody from the jail ministry and Brother uh, Robertson says, hey, Travis, I really need your help. This person needs you. You know, as a member of the church and as a member of the body of Christ, I don't have the luxury of saying, well, brother, that's not my ministry. No. Listen, listen. The Bible clearly instructs me to encourage those that are are down, to help those that need help, to give to those that that ask of me, and to preach the gospel to all people. And so I want to give you a big... I'm a rapper now, amen? And a really white one. I'm not good at rapping, amen? (laughs) A biblical basis for getting involved. Why should we help the poor? Why should we help the homeless? Why should we give to missions? I want to share with you three responsibilities. Number one, I believe the Bible teaches that we have a responsibility to the unbelieving poor and suffering around the world. To the unbelieving poor and suffering. Now... I want you to pay special attention to that because it's not a typo. The unbelieving, poor, and suffering. The Bible really says a lot about ministering to the poor and the needy. Uh, For instance, in Proverbs 29.7, the Bible says that the righteous considereth the cause of the poor, but the wicked regardeth not to know it. In other words, the wicked just doesn't care. Proverbs nineteen seventeen says, He that hath pity upon the poor lendeth unto the Lord, and that which he hath given will he pay him again. Psalm eighty two, three and four says, Defend the poor and the fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy, deliver the poor and needy, rid them out of the hand of the wicked. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. Uh, Travis, do you believe that we ought to help the people that are starving to death in Iraq right now, being persecuted? You bet your bottom dollar I do. I do. I feel like we have a responsibility. I feel like I have a personal responsibility. Obviously, I can't go and be a part of the 130 uh, troops that have been sent over there by the United States to uh, on this humanitarian mission, but I promise you this, I can get on my knees and I can pray, I can ask God to relieve their suffering, I can ask God to relieve their pain, I can ask God to somehow, someway, uh, uh, share the, and shed the light of the gospel, which will Bring them hope beyond any physical hope they could ever have. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 21:13, "Whoso stoppeth his ears at the cry of the poor, he also shall cry himself, but shall not be heard, but shall not be heard." That brings me to a question: Who are the poor? Who are the poor? I want to submit this to you. I'm not, I'm not talking about someone who's having a hard time paying their cell phone bill because they have a, you know, a $600 car payment with $1,200 wheels. <laughs> Are you with me? I don't want to be mean, but that's not what I'm talking about. We have people today in our society that they feel like you know if if we can't if the church can't pay their cell phone bill then the church just is mean listen that's not the biblical poor the poor listen to me the poor in the bible are the defenseless they are the vulnerable they are those that cannot necessarily help themselves they are the destitute. They are those who are in need of help from outside sources. James 1:27 says, Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction. You know what that, let me share this. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this. I I, I wondered, what does it mean before God and the Father? I'll tell you what I think it means. I think that means in their opinion. In the eyes of God and the Father. In their opinion. In His opinion. In God's opinion. It is the fatherless, the widows, people that are in great affliction. So what's the most important thing for the poor? Is it to be relieved of their suffering? I want to say that that is a very noble thing, but probably not the most, or certainly not the most important thing. Y'all remember Matthew 11, when John the Baptist, his ministry was coming to a close in a bad kind of way? He had been thrown in prison, and in the darkness of prison, he began to fear and doubt. The Bible says, now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, he sent them to Jesus and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? His faith was weak and and, and, and he needed help and encouragement. Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again those things which you do here and see. Now check out this list. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached unto them. Now when I read that list, I thought, now wait a minute. Hold on. If, if it had been me in charge of all this, I'd done all that for the deaf and for the lepers and for the lame and, and whatever and the blind. I would have done that. But I would have also served a lot of meals to the poor, or I would have also put in that list the poor, you know, uh, uh, get good jobs or they have more opportunities or, or something where they could rise socially. But Jesus didn't even put that in that list. He healed the uh, the lepers. He, 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 He fixed the lame. He let the blind see again. But then in that list, he said, and you tell John that the poor have the gospel preached unto them. You know what that tells me? That tells me that in the eyes of the Lord Jesus Christ, there's nothing more important for the poor or for the rich than to have the gospel presented in a clear way where that we can have the riches of heaven even during our sufferings on this earth. So, the most important thing that we could do is carry the good news of Jesus Christ to the poor and the suffering. Now, I said at the outset that the word unbelieving was there on purpose. Many Christians think, well, if we have, if there's Christians that are poor, we need to help them, but if there are, Uh, Muslims that are suffering they're on their own or if there's uh, you know I don't know uh, Buddhists who are suffering in in poverty and despair well they're on their own and if there's uh, uh, others that are non-believers well they're just on their own nothing could be further from the truth I believe that we have a biblical responsibility to the unbelieving poor and suffering around the world the Bible says in Luke six twenty seven, But I say unto you which hear, love your enemies, do good to them which hate you, bless them that curse you, and pray for them which despitefully use you. Look at the latter part of verse 31. It says, And as ye would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. Let me ask you this question. If you lived in Asia or Southeast Asia or, or somewhere in India and you worked from sunup to sundown and so did your wife and your children and, and, and the, the, the best labor you could produce on a daily basis brought in maybe $3 U.S. money into your household and therefore you could not afford a place to, a safe place to live and safe water and sufficient food And clothing for your family. Would you want a missionary. To help you. If you couldn't provide for your children. Even though you labored from sun up to sun down. Would you want new opportunities? Would you want new help? Would you want to live your entire life. In that difficulty. And on top of that. Never hear the good news of Jesus Christ. You would want someone to tell you. And that's one of our great purposes as children of God and as a local church. To systematically send the gospel where God lays on our heart so that we can help relieve the pain and the suffering that's caused by lostness and by poverty and by affliction in this present world. My question tonight is, who's with me? Who's with me? Here's a question. Are we content to, as individuals, as dads, moms, as family units, are we content to just enjoy the goodness of God in the land of the free and the home of the brave and live, drink, be merry and go to heaven one day? Or, Do you feel some urge somewhere to have God use you to poke holes in the darkness that is this present world? I got to tell you, I like all the good stuff. I just bought a new fishing pole the other day. Praise God, Amen. It ain't the best one, but it, I didn't buy it at Kmart. Come on, I mean, I like. I, you know, we had a a, a three wheeler. I bought for a hundred. I bought for two hundred bucks. I didn't last long, but I traded it to some sucker uh, down the road for a canoe, Amen. <laughs> and so, uh, I fi- I figure if the canoe gets a hole, I'm patch it, Chad, Amen. Uh, but that three wheeler ain't gonna last long. I like stuff. I like to enjoy things. I do. And I do enjoy things when I get the opportunity. But I've decided. And our family has decided through prayer and agonizing prayer and supplication and learning, we've decided our life will not be built around comforting and pleasing ourselves day in and day out. There's too much sin. There's too too much darkness. There's too many uh, uh, atrocities in this world. And there's too much of a Christian calling to live it up for myself and turn our back to a suffering world that's dying in the darkness. Will you go with us? Let me give you responsibility number two. Not only do we have a responsibility to the unbelieving poor and suffering, but we also have a responsibility... To our brothers and sisters in Christ. To our brothers and sisters in Christ. Now this is kind of like what I told you all ago. The first point was kind of like a single ice cream cone scoop. This is like a double. This is a double whammy. This is like double responsibility. Okay, follow with me here. Here's what the Bible says. Galatians chapter 6 in verse 10. As we therefore have opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. 1 John three seventeen through 18 But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed, and in truth James 2 15 and 16 says if a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food and one of you say unto them depart in peace be ye warmed and filled notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful for the body what doth it profit what doth it profit uh In my study this past week in James chapter number 1 in verse 27, uh, the verse that I shared with you a few minutes ago, I found out in there about two different kinds of religion. First of all, James described empty religion. He spoke about uh, someone that bridleth not his tongue. He said, this man's religion is vain, and the word vain means void, it means empty. Then he said, pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. So he first talked about what empty religion was, nothing but words, sounding brass and tinkling cymbal. But then he described effective religion. Effective religion goes. It visits the fatherless. It visits the, the, uh, the, the uh, widows. And, and what does it do? Where does it visit them? In their affliction. Amen. In the place where they're struggling. We have, what, what's the Friday night ministry called? Life recovery. Y'all got to forgive me. We've been in like seven states in 20 days, and I've been blurred behind the wheel. I can't remember my own name. We have life recovery on Friday night. Brother Jeff and, and Stacy head that up now, and, and you know what it is? It's meeting people in their affliction. Amen. And let me, let me give you this. There ain't no one of us in here that ain't got some affliction. There ain't a one of us in here that ain't got some, some affliction. And truth be told, we all should probably be in the meetings every Friday night Amen. because we all have affliction. And so they hadn't started a group for people that have all got out of their affliction. They started a group to meet them in their affliction. So there's empty religion, but then there's effective religion. And so here's how I would like to explain this. Our responsibility to our brothers and sisters. Okay, if I go uh, down to 157 and from time to time, there's people that will be traveling, they're homeless, and they'll sleep underneath the bridge at 157 and 65 or exit 308. And if you'll notice, very re- recently, uh, the state or the county one has put up no trespassing signs there. And, you know, that's our society's way of dealing with problems, you know, just post signs, amen, and just telling, hey, stay away. We don't want to deal with you. But anyway... uh If I go down there and there's somebody under there and and, and they become my friend or whatever, and I tell them about the Lord and they get saved, well, what does that make them? It makes them my brother or my sister in Christ. So now it's, it's gone way beyond helping somebody that's just in a bad spot. Now it's my brother, now it's my sister. Now it's a member of the family of God that is suffering in pain under that bridge. And now we have double responsibility. Now listen, let me clarify. Not double responsibility to pay all their bills. Not double responsibility to live their life for them. Not double responsibility to make them irresponsible. Irresponsible. That is not what I'm talking about. And if you know me, you know that's not what I'm talking about. But what I'm talking about is we have double responsibility to love them and be ready and willing and actually go alongside them and for as much as they will go along, help them become disciples of Christ. Amen. Let me give you the third one. We'll land this here plane. The third responsibility is, I have crash landed a bunch of sermons too, amen. Amen. I hope this one don't wind up like that but here's the third responsibility and hey this is a biblical basis for getting involved in missions in, in homeless ministry in outreach ministry in any type of reaching out here's the third biblical basis we have a responsibility to preach the gospel to all people to all people all people now I know that God has separated me and called me to a specific group of people, but that does not relieve my burden from participating in sharing the gospel with all people. So when Brother Dustin calls me to come preach at the church or Preacher Malcolm calls me, do I say, well, they're not homeless. That's not my calling. No, I'd be, it, it, that'd be ludicrous. That'd be silly. It'd be crazy. And by the way, this one gets even deeper. This supersedes the other two. The Bible clearly tells us that it is our responsibility. The Bible says in Matthew 28, 19, and 20, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world, amen. Now, that's where we get our concept. They call that verse the Great Commission. That's where we get the concept of of sending missionaries. That's where we get the concept of making disciples. That part in that verse about teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. That's why preacher Malcolm preaches on all kinds of things out of the Bible. Uh, that's why we have small group. Uh, that's why we study the sermons. That's why we dig a little deeper because we are trying to make each other into the disciples that God would have us to be. And check this out. If you are one of God's children, then you have a biblical responsibility to participate in spreading the gospel Around the world. Now. I guess there's literally verse after, verse after verse after verse after verse after verse that we can quote about that. But I don't think I have to browbeat the, the subject. We need to be involved. I think uh, here in another month or two, three. We're going to have a, a, you know some, some emphasis on missions and stuff like that. Man, we ought to just go gangbusters for that. Because that's the activity of God on the earth. Making himself known. One preacher said that God's main goal is that God is committed to his own fame. F-A-M-E. Y'all ever see that TV show, Fame? Fame? I'm going to live forever. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Well, I don't know about that, but let me say this. God is committed to his own fame. In other words, God wants everybody in this world to know about him. Now, how's that going to happen? It's going to happen with you and I. As we grow stronger in the Lord, we learn that life really ain't about Getting the most I can get out of it. This ain't even about living your best life now. This is about letting God live his life through us. So that we can impact hundreds of millions of people. So that the world can know who God is. And so that we can be pleased. And one day we can hear God say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Amen. Our family um, has been spending the last few months traveling to different churches. Because, of our, uh, because we're going to the Philippines and going to live overseas, um, there's not a whole lot of revivals where I can go and be the guest preacher and get a nice love offering over there. So we've been spending time visiting different churches and presenting our story to them and asking them to prayerfully consider supporting our family and our ministry on Sheltered International so that when we leave to go over uh, overseas that we'll have enough support, missionary support to be able to pay for all of our bills. We do want to keep our trailer so when we come back next May, we'll have a place to, to land. Amen. And so that's what we've been doing. And that's one of the reasons why you don't see us around here all the time. Uh, we've, we've de- if you don't dedicate yourself to, to just getting after it and raising your support, um, it just doesn't happen. Listen, you know, it just don't come to you. I, I ain't had many pastors beat my door down and say, hey, we want to give you money. <laughs> no, you, it's like anything else. You got to work, work at it. You say, well, how come your support fluctuates? Because, well, you know, a church might get a new pastor. And the new pastor might come in and say, let's uh, wipe this mission slate clean, drop all the missionaries, and we'll start over and do it the way I like to do it. Or uh, somebody might hear that I preached uh, for somebody and they don't like somebody and they say, we don't need to support him no more. Or maybe the church falls on hard times and they, they can't support the mission. So what I'm saying is missionary support fluctuates. And that's just the nature of the game. I don't like that it's like that. But that's what we've been doing, going out and raising new support. So we covet your prayer and uh, pray that God will uh, send us forth in power and really be praying with us about this children's ministry. It's a new adventure for us. We had a women and children's shelter in Augusta, but my mama ran that thing. Uh, But, you know, it was women and children. And and I said, Mama, you're going to have to deal with them. And she did a great job. But now it's going to be me and my kid's mama. (laughs) Amen. And and we're going because God's called us. And we're excited as we could be about this. And uh, God is good. Amen. Hey, one announcement before we leave. The, the Webster's 1828 dictionaries are here, amen, and they're in the media center. And uh, so I, I assume they have them ready to be picked up this evening. If you want one of them, then uh, make yourself available to them. And listen, a lot of times when we're gone, I, I watch uh, uh, the services, I'll get out of church and maybe I'll get my iPad and I'll watch preacher Malcolm preaching and the choir singing. And I say, oh man, I wish I was home today. Amen. But I watched his sermon about uh, when he showed about the the dictionary and all that. And uh, and praise God, I've been using mine more. Amen. So uh, let's pray and remember to pray for the family in Huntsville and uh, pray for one another and pray for the building and just pray for our building uh, program and everything going on And isn't it good to be a member at Temple Amen. Amen Or just an attender Amen that's good too It's good to be around where God's moving let's, uh, let's bow for prayer And then we'll be dismissed Father we love you Thank you for your goodness Thank you for blessing us Lord thank you for giving me something to say tonight And Lord I pray that you would help us to be a church That cares For the poor and suffering. For our brothers and sisters. Lord, tonight in in the country of Iraq, there's some very difficult things going on. There's people that are suffering, there's people that are dying.